and welcome to the latest episode of Tech Sales Influencers with me, James Hounslow. And today I was joined by James Cuthbertson, who is the Chief Revenue Officer over at Relative Insight. I really wanted James on the show because I wanted to get the information and insight out from him of his experience from growing two sales businesses. He started over at Pulsar Platforms, where he built the commercial team out from scratch there, and now has moved over a couple of years ago to Relative Insight, where he took the business, which was already uh, well-established, and built the commercial uh, team around it to take it to the next level. What I wanted to understand is how he did that, what he got right at Pulsar that he brought over to Relative uh, Insight, which has had a huge impact and the journey that he's gone on to building the opportunity to take the business out to um, the US. Also, the key learns um, from COVID and how they pivoted a couple of people in key roles and gave them different opportunities to help the business during COVID. It was a fantastic conversation. I learn a lot every time I speak to this guy. Hope you enjoy it as much as I did. James, welcome and thank you very much for joining us today. It's great to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. No worries. Um, so I um, wanted to have a, a conversation with you because you've obviously joined um, Relative Insight, who are a, uh, a growing company. Um, just to get some understanding of what the business was like when you joined um, and how you scaled it to where it is and then the, um, the future of it. So probably the best part to start with is give us a little bit of an understanding of who you are and who Relative Insights are. Yeah, superb. Yeah, so like I said, my name is James, CRO, Relative Insight. Um, so my story is um, I actually started out life post-uni in sales recruitment and yeah. cut my teeth there um, in the recession, which was uh, pretty emotional, as I'm sure you can imagine. Yeah. Um, but a great experience and actually... Uh, I was with a business called Certus and ended up staying with them for four and a half years um, and, and learned an awful lot about how commercial teams are structured. You know, I was able to um, recruit for businesses, uh, everything from sort of informer and data monitor during the early days, Thomson yeah. Reuters and Equifax, you know, it, when it was called back when it was called business information. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, um, that was a really, really uh, wonderful way to get an insight into that space and, um, one of the clients I was actually recruiting for was a qualitative market research agency called Face. Um, and at Face was a guy called Fran, um, who had built a piece of technology called Pulsar, um, originally for projects for O2. They wanted to scrape tweets and blog posts. Yeah. And uh, yeah, anyway, um, ended up speaking to him about that and just fell in love with the idea and the concept because it was reasonably novel like social media listening was like in its infancy radian six was doing it but not many others and ended up joining them as a basically do it do everything commercial person um, yeah. and i think that honestly that the expectation was pretty low like, i don't yeah. think they even thought it was going to go that far uh, <laughs> but then we ended up fran and i ended up building pulsar and you know it's a reasonably big company um that's been acquired by access intelligence group um and you know they've got like near on 75 people across the UK and US. So that was, that was a wonderful journey. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think um, we, we'd taken that project to its kind of natural conclusion for me. Um, yeah. And then I met Ben Hookway, uh, who was the CEO at Relative and 
um, after hearing about the story and the technology at Relative, I was just, uh, you know, completely taken with that and, and so couldn't pass up the opportunity. And uh, it was a, it was like a seriously hard thing to do to resign from Pulsar, but they yeah, yeah. joined Relative in the early days. And over the last or well, nearly three years, we've been having a great time building building Relative Insight. So what was the kind of like the the key decision making to think, actually, I want to, to go on to this this journey? Yeah, I think that um, there are a few things that I considered. Uh, the first thing was ownership. Um, and what I mean by that is Pulsar, we, we grew it. As I said, for, it was initially part of an agency called Face, which was in turn part of the Cello Group, which is yeah. a, a well-known and well-respected agency group. Um, and, and I think that um, they, were, they were an incredible uh, support um, in the early days and were very... Uh, paternal and things like that but then ultimately as we grew we were at sort of loggerheads because we were a technology business inside an agency group and it, it never quite yeah. worked because yeah. of two different cultures and um and so i think uh, one of the things is that relative insight was you know an independent owned by the leadership and investors and i really really loved that and i wanted to give that a proper go i think the other thing was that um i really i really liked the people that were already here so the the two founders james and phil and and the the CEO, Ben, um, I think one of the things that they've got, which is rare, is they're kind. Yeah. They're actually nice, nice people. Yeah. And that sounds a little bit um, fluffy, but you know, they genuinely are. Um, yeah. And the final thing is that the story, yeah. you know, that, that Relative Insight was originally used to catch pedophiles online. Yeah. Yeah. I think not only is that unique, it's also just gr great. great. You know, it's nice that a technology yeah. business has come from a, a place of helping yeah. society so i think yeah those are the things absolutely so um day one what did the business look like and what were you hired to do <laughs> yeah so that's a big question so um the the business was in in great shape in some ways and um and, and not so in other ways so i think that um what relative has always had is a wonderful brand and it's been well respected by the people that it's known it's been well loved by its clients I think that, like I said, James, Phil and Ben are really credible and incredibly good at what they do. So that was all there. Um, but I, I think what, what wasn't was like a commercial engine. And, and the guys would be the first to say that, you know, that, that it wasn't repeatable. It wasn't scalable. They had a few really big, important clients. Like in the early days, it was people like Unilever and Saatchi and Saatchi. But the problem was that they were like incredibly fickle. You know, it, it, it was... Um, uh, brittle rather it was very if, if any of those clients had actually um, churned or whatever it would have been a big step back so my role was put simply to come in and um, create a commercial engine yeah. that could truly scale yeah. because actually the origin story brilliant yeah. technology brilliant leadership brilliant positioning brilliant uh, product market fit to an extent was already there which is unusual in such an yeah. early startup but all my job was to take it from an you know an idea effectively yeah. with brilliant people to getting people getting lots and lots and lots of people to buy it and then love having yeah. it if that makes it, sense it does so um how long had uh, relative insight been going before they brought you on yeah, so actually, um, for a startup, we always joke that we're not that young and that we've been actually around for 14 years. But yeah. the first, um, let's say, 10 years was actually 
and academic and government collaboration. Yeah. So the technology was used to, to catch masquerading pedophiles yeah. Yeah. At, at Lancaster University, right? So that's, yeah. they've been doing that for best part of a decade in one shape or another. Um, and, then, and then they realized that there was potentially other use cases for um, comparative linguistics. So then Ben uh, Hookway joined and obviously made a real impact on the direction and the potential. And then I suppose he did a good job, good job by finding me if, if that isn't too bold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, before you arrived then, who was responsible for selling? Was it all founder-led sales or did they have a team that was there? Yeah, I think that, um, so it was mainly the, the founders and Ben who were literally out there pounding the pavements. Yeah. Um, and, and like they're, they're actually really good salespeople, but obviously yeah. it's not what they should be doing. But yeah, that's what yeah. they were doing at the start. And yeah. so, like I said, they've done projects with Nokia and RGA, Unilever, Saatchi and Saatchi. You know, they'd actually done some incredible deals, but it, not necessarily in a repeatable, scalable shape, if that makes sense. It, it, it totally does. You, you hear all the time, nobody can sell a product better than a founder um, and nobody ever will. But it is that predictable, repeatable um, process of being able to explain how you did it and being able to um, to, to scale it um, out. So um, you've arrived. Um, you've got some great people, great leadership, an awesome product um, that can be tapped up. Where do you even start? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. So basically, I, I, I would like to talk about like my time at Pulsar initially. Like um, uh, uh, when we started Pulsar, it was exactly the same. I literally sat in the stationary cupboard and cold called people and, and set demos <laughs> up for myself yeah. um, until we got to about 15 clients. You know, that's actually what I did at Pulsar. And so Relative Insight was almost that 2.0. You know, I was literally yeah. back at the cold phase again on my own, sat in my kitchen to begin with. And I was you know, like literally just hitting the phones on LinkedIn, setting demos up, getting people, getting people signed up for pilots. Mm. And my first step then was I had the plan, right? The, the way that I want the, the sales team to be structured. So my first hire was um, a lady called Holly Milne. Uh, she, she was an ex recruiter as well. Yeah. Um, really hungry, super smart. And so she came in, I think we had about six clients at that stage when she joined and she came in to be my SDR. We call them VEs yeah. here at Relative, but yeah. So then she then was supporting me so that I could do more demos. Yeah. Um, and so I was out doing demos. We then probably got to about 15 or so clients. And then we needed an account manager because yeah. I was doing that as well. Alex Cooper White was our first account manager. She's still with the business, has done brilliantly. So yeah, and those, that, that, was the, that was like the inception of our sales and account management function. Nice. That makes nice. sense. And, and um, at what point did you work out that you'd worked out a repeatable sales process? Genuinely, I think six months into Pulsar. Yeah. You know, that's when I realized that you have BDEs that set, set demos for BDMs that close deals yeah. and hand them over to account managers. You know, yeah. I, I know that it literally there's nothing like particularly rocket sciencey about that, but yeah. I suppose the clues in the detail of how you do that, but that's, yeah. the, that's the model. And yeah. so yeah, I, I knew it would work again at, at Relative and obviously just make fewer mistakes than, than yeah. I did the first time around with Pulsar. <laughs> So once you were in, what was the biggest challenge that you faced? It wasn't even necessarily a challenge. It was more just for the first six months, every single day, I was terrified. Yeah. Because I'd left Bolsar where I had a team of 50 odd 
Yeah. It was really established, big pile of MRR, loads of adoring clients, all that stuff. And then yeah. I was back on my own in my kitchen yeah. and worried about my mortgage, honestly. And yeah. so I think it wasn't necessarily a challenge. It was just terrifying. But then I suppose, as Ben would say, the CEO pressure makes diamonds, right? So it was definitely get, get you up nice and early every morning, fear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally get that. Um, so um, you've joined, you start to build a team. Before we talk about um, the last uh, six months um, with, with COVID, where have you built the team to now? Yeah, so um, my remit, uh, if, if put really simply, is new business, account management and marketing. Like those are the three pillars of my, of my world at Relative. Um, and so I've literally just done it in, in that chronological order. Yeah. Um, we, we started the engine, as I kind of just explained, through BDE, BDM partnerships. And so I established like three or four of those pairs of, and that were really effective and yeah. really tightly coached. We had Alex and then other account managers over on the retention side. And again, like I was really involved in that right from the start and um, learned a lot from the people that we hired, but also was able to shape um, more junior people. So that was really good. And so then we, once the, the new business bit was set up, well-drilled, um, well-organized, and account management set up, organized into brands and agencies, yeah. Um, making sure that we've got succession with junior people coming through. And then the most recent project has been marketing so that we're not only just relying on going out and doing outbound BD, um, BD work, but also yeah. starting to generate a content and events program that generates like proper inbound leads. Interesting. Um, so a couple of bits I want to um, uh, touch on with you. First of all, um, any key bits of technology that you brought in that, that you use um, in, in your uh, tech stack for sales. And second of all, given what's happened recently, would you put marketing higher up your priority of, of getting on board um, and, um, and using? Yes, two good questions. So uh, from a tech point of view, um, we, we, were, we used Whereby, um, which is a, a, like a, um, a conference calling and, and screen share technology yeah. way before COVID kicks in. And I, the reason I would recommend that to people watching this is because it's free and it's really good. Yeah. Um, and so like, yeah, where, whereby would be whereby. something that I would recommend. We also use Slusher, which is a, a, an addition to LinkedIn, which actually um, is able, like enriches your um, search with information about prospects. That's a really yeah. cool piece of technology as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so a, from, that's from a tech point of view. And I think then, um, the other thing that we did right from the start, which was we got all of our tech to speak to Slack. Yeah. So um, like who's visiting, for example, everyone knows what that is. People land on your website, but we, we've got it to feed into Slack. So having to go in rather than having to go into who is visiting and then read the report or look at the stats. Yeah. We just get a Slack. There's a Slack channel that alerts us. Same thing with our demo requests, same thing with um, our CRM. It says like when a demo has been completed, it notifies us. So I think that was, it seems like a really small thing, but it was actually made a great deal of difference because it means you look at it all the time. Yeah. So are you going to sell some of that tech to other sales businesses to, to be able to use that as well? Because I guess that's, that's homegrown, isn't it? That's not something we can, we can buy off the shelf, is it? No, no. But I mean, if it, it, 
if you're a CRO or a sales leader listening to this, then if you've got a little, if you've got a dev team, even if it's a small one, they should be able to just hook it up. Um, yeah, it's yeah. reasonably simple. But if you can't, then call me up and I'll help you because it's yeah. easy. Um, so marketing then. Um, marketing oh, yeah. was obviously not at the top of your of your list of priorities. Would that change now or...? I think that it wasn't, um, not that it wasn't a priority, it was just more like chronologically, um, there's no point producing content and shouting amazing stories into a void when you haven't got an audience. And so yeah. I think it was, we just needed to go and get 50 clients yeah. first. You know, in an uncomplicated, unsexy way, we just need to go and get 50 clients, get that done. Make sure that they, re they were having an incredible experience and they were really well supported by a wonderful account management team. Yeah. And then I think it would then prudent to then start to build out a marketing function yeah. and so um would i change it absolutely not and but but your the question that denotes to like its importance and validity during covid i think it has changed um i think the events is the probably the biggest thing that's changed yeah. i think that i don't know um for a fact but i would assume that many other commercial people in technology rely quite heavily on events to generate yeah. top quality leads especially with, you know, the, the more enterprise style customers. Yeah. You can't really cold call Disney that easily. No. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No. You can't really cold call RBS that easily. And I'm not saying that you can't, but it's not easy. No. Um, and so I think events, the events industry, although some of the people that, we've, that we would deal with, I think Ingenuity, for anyone looking for a good events partner, like their digital masterclassing events are just incredible. Yeah. And they've done brilliantly pivoting, but it's just not the same, you know, yeah. as being in the room. No, no. And so I think that's, it, it, it's made made us really invest in our content strategy, really invest in people producing excellent content um, because we can't rely on just the sort of randomness of meeting people at a face-to-face -face events or a booth or, you know, a drinks thing or whatever. So, so, so that brings me on to, to the important topic um, that a lot of people are on right now. You've obviously built a fantastic business you've started replicating that or, or a great sales business great sales team you've started replicating that again um, with a great organization something that's trusted and worked and um, for the great side seems to be working uh, where you are now covid hits um, it's not something that anybody had planned for has experience of did anything change at all? Um, obviously, people were sent home um, to, to work for a period of time, but in terms of your strategy and what you were doing, um, how did you get through it? Yeah, um, I mean, look, it was challenging. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, people, you know, some people have pretty uh, severe personal things to deal with as well as work being more challenging. But from a strategic point of view, I think that, one thing that our leadership did well was that we were realistic about expectations um, with the team and also with investors. So we didn't say, you know, we didn't use language like everything's going to be fine, just crack on. You know, we were like quite, we quite, were quite real about the fact that it was going to be challenging, which which was good because I yeah. think it showed the, showed the team that we were humans and, yeah. and that we understood it was going to be hard. Um, what we did do, I think, um, quickly was that we took talented people across the business, for example, um, our talent lead, April, or our events coordinator, Mia, and we flipped them into um, BDE roles. Yeah. So rather than put them onto furlough or yeah. whatever, that week when lockdown was announced, they became BDEs. 
Okay. And you know, credit to them, they did a great job, but also they were able to contribute to yeah. the engine. I think so that was good. So we basically we pulled resource yeah. into the into the, into generating new business. The other thing was right from the start, um, Jess and I, Jess leads our marketing function. We we realized that events were gonna take a big hit. Yeah. And so we just doubled down on content. Yeah. Um, from a content production point of view, um, how seriously we took um, the like the, the actual topics that we were talking about, and we launched a um, conversations on COVID webinar, which was like a fortnightly webinar for our customers. Um, yeah, so I think that, that that pivot, although pretty obvious maybe and and minor even, yeah. we did it quick. We did it quickly. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the key thing is take action and, and make it happen. Uh, so you doubled up on your your content. Did you change how you were uh, presenting the content? Have you guys moved into video? Were you on video before or is it more um, articles and documents? Yeah, so um, we have the, the big alteration that we've done is that before we were creating what we think are really interesting top of funnel stories, you know, yeah. so that like, the, you know, nice stories that leverage what we do and people find broadly interesting, but they are top of funnel. Yeah. Um, we've continued to do that. Uh, but what we've, what we've changed is that those pieces of content now revolve around a um, bi-monthly uh, webinar event, which we call our spotlight series. Yeah. So everything is kind of like seeded towards every eight weeks, we have a spotlight event. So, so far we've had four. We did one for universities. We did one on understanding healthcare professionals. We did one on the road to reopening. So how do customers feel about going into physical spaces when they reopen? And then the one that we've got on the 27th of October is uh, Giant Killers. So it's all about challenger brands. Um, and so all the content, although it, there's loads of different stories from different sectors, it all sort of moves towards Giant Killers. And then when that's done, there'll be, there'll be another one. Like it, like it. Um, so are there any key learns that you've taken from this experience that's going to stay with you for the next part of uh, your journey with these guys? Yeah, I think the, one of the things I, I, I've, has been reinforced in my mind is that I'm working for the, the right people, you yeah. know, that, 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 that they are who I thought they were, Yeah. <laughs> you know, that they, they are kind, they are uh, emotionally intelligent, they are generous. Um, so that's been that's been great to have yeah. that reaffirmed. Not that it was in doubt, um, but that's been good. I think the other thing that I've realized is that um, I'm incredibly fortunate with the team of people that I have. And I think that they've all um, made me incredibly proud to like, run this this function. Um, I think, yeah, we spend a lot of time as you know commercial leaders talking about stats and numbers and efficiency and mm. augmenting systems and actually um, at times you can forget the people underneath it. And I think the one thing that this has meant is that it's been impossible to ignore the people because they've literally been rock stars and yeah. they've been people that have gone through absolute terrible times and have still been able to, you know, carry others around them. They might be running teams. They have produced incredible, big, high pressure renewals or amazing new business yeah. deals all with the backdrop of this awful stuff that's been happening. So, yeah, yeah I think a lot of it's been at a human level. Good, good. Um, so what's the, uh, the plan going forward from here? Obviously, uh, we saw the announcement of uh, North America, which is exciting because the, the, the scale of the opportunity over there is massive. So 
what what are you hoping to achieve in 2021 and further forwards yeah so i think um one of the things that we're uh, as you can see from uh, the hires that we've made recently is investing a great deal in marketing because we really want to make sure that we are able to um create resonant and relevant content for our audience that entices them to want to become a relative insight customer so that's a big part of our our plan um over the coming i'd say year continuing to do that and continuing to build that strength um then as you rightly allude to america is just such an exciting next chapter for us and yeah. um, already you know nearly 50 percent of our customers are stateside yeah. um so we already have a really healthy business there and we've got a wonderful team um which we're looking to build on so yeah. Um, and then, of course, you know, not to forget the mothership, you know, we're going to continue to grow London and yeah. um, and more of the same, really, because, um, you know, it's, it's working, working well. Um, and uh, yeah, so, yeah, we shouldn't forget the main the main thing, the main beast. <laughs> um, and, and before I let you get um, back to it, if there was one piece of advice that you could give to a, um, a chief revenue officer starting out at a, a startup. Um, what would it what would that be? I spot? think my yeah, I think my main bit of advice would be do it before you hire. So yeah. if you have the opportunity to, I mean, so, you know, this won't apply to everyone, but if you have the opportunity to, uh, because you're almost at like square one and there yeah. isn't really a business, get out there, go do a bunch of demos, close some deals, manage some accounts for six months a year, um, because not only will that really inform you about the way that people buy your product and the way that your market behaves but it'll also allow you enormous amounts of credibility with the people then you subsequently hire um and i just think i just think that yes it's bloody hard work and um a lot of people you know maybe if they've done it once or twice will, will think you know i don't want to get myself back doing that but if I were to do it, you know, if I were to do another startup in, yeah. in, the, in the future, I would almost insist on doing it again. Yeah. Beat yourself up for six months because it's just worth it. Yeah. Excellent. Um, all right, James, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate you uh, stopping by and having this uh, chat. It's been really insightful and look forward to talking to you again soon. Brilliant. Thanks very much, James.